0: Cinefessions podcast. I'm your host Brandon Chowen, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts Chris Ranson, hello, and Ash Collins, hello. All right. So this month we were planning on talking about uh, the Bollywood double feature that we had lined up, uh, but that's actually going to take a back seat because we got talking on Twitter, and we're all watching some of the same horror films. And so we're going to look at a bunch of different horror films that we've all watched recently, and we're going to push Bollywood back to next month. But it actually works out better because we're going to do basically the entire Doom series and Bride and Prejudice. So there'll be more films that we can talk about next month, which will be good. And it'll be good to devote an entire podcast to Bollywood because it is such an interesting genre, I guess you could say. All right, so before we get started into the reviews, I just wanted to ask you guys, the, the Twitterverse was going nuts yesterday when the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy trailer was released. Now, I was just interested to see, uh, to hear your guys' thoughts on those. It, uh, Chris, I remember you had some not positive reaction to it on Twitter. Uh, care to elaborate <laughs> on that at all?
1: Well, I'm like... Wh- What is everyone excited about? Like, am I seeing a different trailer? And apparently I was, because I guess they released a teaser trailer in the morning. (laughs) And then the full trailer later in the day. I don't know. I was really confused. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the teaser trailer was just these quick little action bits, and people were talking about stuff that weren't in it, and I was completely lost.
0: (laughs) Ash, did you get to watch it?
2: Yeah, I've watched it a couple times, just looking for stuff that... uh, I've actually never read the comic book at all mm-hmm. i'm familiar with a couple of the characters just because they popped up in like x-men and other stuff over the years but uh so i was look- going through looking for references because i know a couple of different people on twitter were like oh at this point you can see this and that's who these guys are and so right. on and so forth so i was like oh okay and uh i don't know it looks it looks a lot just from that trailer it looks a lot different than all of the other Marvel cinematic universe movies that they've done so far. Mm -hmm. And it's got some of the humor of like the Avengers and maybe Iron Man, but I think they're kind of amping up the humor a little more. So I'm kind of curious how they're going to deal with that. I was actually kind of annoyed. We didn't hear rocket raccoon or, uh, or Groot talk. (laughs) Right, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the, the star Lord character. That was interesting. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, like I know nothing. I I literally have never even heard of the comic book until yesterday when I was going through Twitter and everyone was all up in arms about it. But you know, I'm kind of with you. I just think it looks looks like a fun movie. It could be anyway. And I am really interested in the, the raccoon character. It kind of reminds me of like uh, Conker from Conker's Bad Fur Day. Um, it's, it might be something funny in that vein at least, or I'm hoping at least. One thing I'm not real high on is the fact that Batista – WWE superstar is playing one of the main characters in there. I don't know which which character's name. What his character's name is, but I think that's going to be interesting to see Batista in that role in such a, a giant film. You know, you might expect like The Rock or something like that, but not Batista. So I think that'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But
2: um, well, wasn't uh, Batista the one in Riddick last year?
0: I don't know. I didn't see Riddick. I don't remember uh, hearing about it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember if he was in, it, if that was him in it or not. He was okay. If it was Batista, he was okay in Riddick. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Some of the WWE superstars, like they can, they can act obviously because you know they they do it on stage. But you know whether or not they carried over to film successfully is kind of a mixed bag. I don't know. I, I'm willing to give him a shot.
0: Yeah, you're right. He was not Riddick. He was also in Man with the Iron Fist. I didn't realize that. I don't know. Yeah, but it should be interesting. I wasn't floored by the trailer at all, but I agree the Star Lord character looks like it could be entertaining if nothing else. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how that one plays out. One other piece of news I have to touch on before we jump into the reviews is the fact that one of my favorite films of all time is finally coming to Blu-ray. And it's a movie, I think, now Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is actually a DVD that when we first met, we were trading a DVD or something. And you actually sent me, it was a rats DVD. And I don't even
1: remember if I sent that to
0: you. Oh, okay. I, for some reason, I have it in my head that you did, but I don't know. I could be wrong.
1: I mean, it could have been.
0: But- yeah, it's it's Mallrats is finally coming to Blu-ray, and I am very excited for that because I love that stupid movie. It is such a fun movie for me, so I'm I'm really excited to hear that that one's coming. It's coming in April. I'm hoping there's going to be a lot of uh, special features on there that's not on the, the DVD that I have. So I thought that was that was some good news.
2: Mallrats was actually my first introduction into that, like Kevin Smith's world. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Mallrats was probably my first one. Then people introduced me to Clerks much much later after mm-hmm. that, but. I didn't even realize I hadn't been out on Blu-ray yet. I figured that would that would have been a no-brainer early on.
0: Especially since Clerks has been out for quite a while now. That's when I went on Blu-ray. Another great movie.
2: One time my cousin Walter got this cat stuck in his ass. True story.
0: He bought it at our local mall so the whole fiasco wound up on the news. It was embarrassing for my relatives and all. But the next week he did it again. Different cat, same results, complete with another trip to the emergency room. So I run into him a week later in the mall, and he's buying another cat. And I says to him, Jesus, Walt, what are you doing? You know you're just going to get this cat stuck in your ass, too. Why don't you knock it off? And he said to me, Brody, how the hell else am I supposed to get the gerbil out? My cousin was a weird guy. Yeah, so this assortment of movies that we're going to be talking about today kind of just sprung up. It was, you know, Chris watched the movie and said, oh, you guys got to see this. And then we watched that, and then, oh... Somebody else watched another one. Oh, you guys got to watch this and then one more and then it just kept going. And so we have, I think it's five horror movies that we're going to talk. Well, five movies, I guess they're not all horror movies, but five movies we're going to talk about today. And let's start with uh, the first one here just because it's the first on my list. uh, Truth or Die. So Truth or Die, a group of four friends are invited to a uh, like a mutual acquaintance's birthday party. And when they arrive there at this large home out in the middle of nowhere, uh, they're directed into the uh, back of the woods to this small wooden cabin by some guy in a truck. So once they once they get there, they, they meet this acquaintance's brother who says that the party was supposed to have been postponed, but apparently he forgot to tell everyone. And so, you know, he apologizes, but invites them in so they can have a, f- a fun time until the brother gets there. Once they get inside, they start to party, and then they play this uh, Truth or Dare game. The title is actually Truth or Dare. It was the original title, but they changed it to Truth or Die because it's just you know, more menacing or whatever. And so this game of Truth or Dare started up, and this is when things start to take kind of a, a dark turn, <laughs> I guess we could say. Um, so Truth or Di- Die is actually part of the Bloody Disgusting Selects line, which is... A line that I've actually not watched a movie from yet, excluding Truth or Die. Truth or Die was my first one. But it's one that I've been interested in because there's uh, Yellow Brick Road, which I've read was was pretty good horror flick. Cold Fish, which I was just reading in the latest, I think it was Rumorg magazine. There was an article about the director with his new movie coming out. And so it's one I really want to see. And then Atrocious is one that Scott Weinberg always mentions. is a great one to watch on Netflix Instant Queue. And then The Woman, which is one I've been hearing about for... A couple years now and just have never gotten around to watching and so it's a really interesting lineup of films that bloody disgusting selects carries this is my first introduction to it i was pretty happy with it let's start off with uh chris chris what are your, some of your thoughts about truth or die
1: well i i'd seen in my browsing of netflix and i always passed it by because i mean it was a stupid title
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely
1: yep. I, i'm always judging stuff by either title or cover it has to has to catch me with one of those two things if i'm just browsing netflix so You recommend it. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Like, I did not really have expectations. I enjoyed it. It had some good little twists and it didn't follow like the typical plot line that you expect.
0: There were definitely some, you know, standard horror tropes in it. But I think the overall story, like it went in a completely different direction than I was expecting it to go when these, you know, this group of four arrive at the at the cabin in the woods, if you will. What about you, Ash? Any thoughts on the film?
2: very UK. <laughs> yeah. A- actually, that's, and that's not an insult. That's actually like, and the, whenever I see a horror film from across the pond, uh, it always has kind of like a, they don't follow the standard horror tropes that we see in the US movies. Like, if that had been made in the US, some of the little twists and turns that they did would not have come up in a US film, like, at all. And mm-hmm. it, it just would have been standard, generic, like, followed, like, saw in, in that formula, like, down the letter. And I, I and I'm glad it didn't. I liked that the, that you didn't quite know who was involved with it. Uh, who was involved with what actually happened or what actually happened until like almost to the very end of the film. Uh, like they keep the events quiet about it so you're still guessing along with everybody else as to what actually transpired to lead up to this. You know, it's like you kind of have the background so you know what, what some of the players were up to or what could have been up to but they kept, they kept certain things quiet, you know, and it kept you guessing which I liked. I don't know. I, I thought it it, it was uh, it was different. It was uh, after the sea of other movies I'd been watching. It was like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of cool. <laughs>
0: so, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with. It. I, was, I had just gotten done watching a lot of like low budget independent horror flicks, and this one was definitely a step above everything I'd watched. Like Antisocial, Dark Room. I think was the name of another one. Like Antisocial wasn't bad. Dark Room wasn't bad, but they weren't. Nothing about them was really memorable, and that's why I think Truth or Dare or rather Truth or Die, stood out for me. It was something a little different, which I which I enjoyed. And uh, talking about the ending, I don't want to give away any spoilers, I guess, but uh, a lot of people, when you like go on the Netflix reviews and everything of it, and there's a lot of low ratings because of the ending. Nobody liked the ending. And I can see how the ending definitely takes, the, takes a strange turn, but I think it works for the film, because the film's, you know, at its core, really, about this relationship between these brothers. And I think that the... Ending uh, solidifies that, or uh, justifies this brother's fear. I guess it's hard to really talk about without giving getting into spoiler territory, though.
2: No, no that was part of my problem. I was trying to avoid spoiling it, right? Um, but I think uh, actually because it is, it's out of that area. They tend to like not happy endings for their horror movies or their dramas or anything else. They like mixed feelings. They're not afraid to you know make it real type mm-hmm. of thing. And I think in the U.S. we always like happy endings or the the good person has to get away or, you know, all sorts of different things, you know, that Hollywood trope or Hollywood tends to stick to, you know, so that it's it's more commercial. But uh, that one, I think uh, that's actually part of the reason why a lot of people don't like the ending is very, it's a very English ending. <laughs> it's yeah. not necessarily happy, not necessarily bad, but, you know, it's like, hey, here's how it is. <laughs> and i think it
0: speaking of that because whenever this is talked about it always makes me think about the woman in black in another film where the ending was very hollywoodized and that's the reason i really dislike the movie if it would have gone on and ended the way i feel like the filmmakers wanted the movie to end that could have been a really strong ending in a uh, made for a much more powerful film but you, you had to hollywoodize it for you know american audiences or whatever the case is so that it's you know, this happy ending. And that's just, I, I don't like that, which is one reason that I, I enjoyed this movie so much.
1: Yeah. Woman in black just rushes. It's finale. Just
0: oh, it pull, absolutely. It
1: pulls it out of nowhere. And it's just like, take it, take it, take it, take it. <laughs> like, Oh, okay. As soon as they like figured it out in that movie, it was all downhill.
0: That's one that's going to be uh, the sequel. I'll probably watch it, but it's I'm not looking forward to that one at all.
1: Yeah, I heard they were working on a sequel.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's out this year.
1: Oh, joy. <laughs> uh,
0: something else I really liked about the movie was the the soundtrack. More specifically, in the beginning of the movie, with like the party scenes that happened in the beginning, and then the drive to the birthday party, I loved the musical choices. I don't have any idea who what the bands were or anything like that, but they just fit the film really well and gave it this unique edge to it that I really enjoyed. It set the beginning of the film up well, because it is this party scene at the beginning and it's, you know, uh, joyous and, and fun. And then you lose that completely as the film goes on, which I really liked.
1: No, you're not going to talk about your new oh. I don't know, crush. I
0: should <laughs> oh say. man. Yeah. Jenny jocks. Oh my goodness. It, not only is she beautiful, but her accent. Oh my goodness. She's she was incredibly seductive in that role, and I think that just crushing on her the whole movie really helped help me enjoy it as well. Wait, what, I'm not. Gonna which lie. one was she in that one? She was like the the girl with like the real thick eyeliner,
2: the the dark haired one. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> She's gorgeous, absolutely.
1: But really, better than Taylor Swift. Like, wasn't that your comment on Twitter? I
0: did I say that? I don't. I say I, I, things in a haze sometimes. I can't remember. <laughs>
1: I might have to go back and like just peruse at some point (laughs) and retweet it.
0: Oh man. Yeah. This is uh, another low budget film. Like, uh, like one that we're going to talk about in like, in a couple minutes here that uses its budget to its fullest. And it doesn't feel like a low budget film, which I really liked Uh, the gore effects, though, there weren't a ton of gore effects in it. What they did have, I thought was done really well, really gross, some really gross moments, which I really liked
2: they did a. I like to call it the the single room story even though this one had a few other branching moments obviously but like uh, saw is one of them this is one of them there's a couple other ones that we've talked about before it's like most of the movie is set in this one room and for some reason they they've managed to make those not only interesting because you actually have to talk, you know, they have, you have to have the characters interacting. So you get to know the characters a little bit, mm-hmm. but they, uh, they manage to push their budget a lot more because they don't have to run all over the place to film all this stuff. It's all just right there you know, right at their fingertips.
0: So. Exactly. It's just smart filmmaking, which I appreciate. Cool. Any closing thoughts
1: at all on this one, Chris? No, it was pretty good. I'd
0: recommend it. What about a star rating? One to four.
1: I'll say like a three, probably. I mean, it was pretty good for, you know, the budget and everything like that. And I went in with very low expectations. Right. And you, Ash?
2: I'd also give it a three. Very solid three. I actually really liked this one. Uh, On my Netflix rating, I actually gave it a four so that they'd give me more like it. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'd give it a solid three.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and I'm right with you guys. I gave it a a 3.5. I just couldn't find too much that I didn't like about it, so. Definitely a solid horror film that I would highly recommend to those seeking out those, uh, you know, hidden gems on Netflix and Instinct Cool. And now this is this next film that I want to talk about is actually one that uh, Chris recommended that we all see. And it's one that I had just read about a couple days prior to, to Chris recommending it. I don't know where I was reading about it or what it was, what I saw that mentioned this film, but it looked really interesting. It's called Plus One mean this is the, the summary from Netflix. With the biggest bash of the year on tap, three college buddies are anticipating an evening full of romantic possibilities. Instead, they find themselves pitted against their doubles as the night takes a supernatural turn. I think it's a pretty decent summary for what the movie is without giving away too much. Some of the stuff you're reading just give away everything.
1: Yeah, I was looking it up, too, and I couldn't find anything else that really didn't ruin everything. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. So, Ash, I want to hear your thoughts on this one.
2: I'm always up for good sci-fi flick anyway and i'm kind of a sucker for time travel stuff i like the whole messing with time what can change this and that one person dying changes the whole future type of thing so i liked i liked that they were messing with that a bit and it was interesting i've never seen one that deals with such a close amount of time and, and and the way they they space it out uh like that before uh so that was interesting and i liked that uh, not everybody caught on to what was happening right away. Um, it was just like a select few realized that there's something really wrong here. And uh, it kind of went from there. I actually liked the side characters more than the lead guy. The, the lead guy... I was just like, dude, you need you to just give it up. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily like, I liked that he kind of caught on and he, you know, figured out how he was going to try to use it to his advantage. But at the same time, I really didn't like him for, for the way he went about doing it. I actually liked his uh, pervert friend a little bit more. <laughs> uh, he was uh, He was a more interesting character to me. And the way he dealt with it, and the uh, the girl that he ended up hooking up with, but yeah, that was it was an interesting twist on that. You know, it was unexpected, uh, and they they give you little hints of what's to come, like at the very start, just before they leave for the party, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, I, I liked that one. I actually I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I wrote down the same thing that I enjoyed the co-star Logan Miller more than the main character. And I think that's interesting talking about that main character. I was just thinking about it. He actually, he starts off as this likable guy and then kind of descends as the, as the film progresses into this, uh, character that I just, I don't know, I grew sick of or grew tired of. Or like you said, just give it a rest. And I thought that was, that was interesting. But I think that, I think his name's Rise Wakefield. I loved him in The Purge, which I think I've mentioned before my admiration for The Purge. I absolutely love The Purge and I cannot wait for the next one. And I think the series can just go on and on with these different stories that are being told throughout each purge. I think it's awesome. But Rise Wakefield played like the the creepy guy at the door wearing the mask, and he was he was excellent in that. But I think that character is just a lot more fun and just more entertaining in general than what he has to work with here. Um, I thought he was fine, but, like you said, I enjoyed the the secondary characters, the co-stars more than him. Logan Miller, the co star, he kind of reminded me of like a poor man's mix of Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah, which is kind of a, a weak <laughs> argument or, you know, an overused argument, but that's just what he reminded me of. I thought he was a lot of fun, though.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Like, this isn't like a normal movie I'd pick, but the doppelganger thing caught my eye, and I was hmm. bored one night, and I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And normally, like, I futz around with a few things while I watch a movie. This one just kind of, like, hooked me. I was intrigued. And, like, you guys, the main character just. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's a plot point where maybe we're not following the same one, or maybe I, I don't want to ruin too much. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: there, there's a couple ways you can interpret it because you, you well, at least I got the vibe that it's two sides of one coin, so each doppelganger was a different person. That's what I got, <laughs> but <laughs> mm-hmm. that's um, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. He kind of becomes kind of like not likable at all, he makes very poor choices and he separates himself from everyone else too. So it kind of feels like they realized that his character wasn't going to be what everyone liked.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, it definitely seemed intentional. I would agree there. What I loved about this also was uh, this the special effects in terms of doubling these characters. It reminded me of Army Hammer in the social network with the Vinkl Voss twins. I remember I was absolutely floored when I found out that this was both these twins were played by one guy. I thought that was amazing to me, and uh, you know they use that effect in Plus One, and I think it's done on an equally impressive level.
1: Yeah, that that finale just gets kind of crazy. They're like, oh I my was god, to spot like, okay, how are they doing this?
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Oh man, it was very impressive though. I loved it. So when I was going through them, I wrote down some you know pros and cons for each one, basically, and uh, some of the cons for this one I have are. Well, one of the cons for this one I have is that the story it starts to get a little more confusing and convoluted, I think, as the movie goes on. Um and these characters are unintentionally trying to explain kind of how the movie's working, and I think that hurts the film a little bit. It reminds me I was listening to another podcast, the Film Spotting SVU podcast last year, and uh, Matt Singer, I believe, is the one who hosts it the male on the on the show, and he was talking about time travel films with his co-host and they mentioned that, you know, he likes time travel films when they're not basically not time travelly. They don't have to explain the science behind the time travel before him to like it. Like he loves the Back to the Future movies because they don't you know, how this is working or why it's working doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that it is working, and then there's an interesting story around it. They're using the the time travel as a device to tell the story, as opposed to here's the science behind why it's working, and. I kind of feel like this movie could have benefited a little bit from kind of that thought process. One thing that threw me off is when the time shifts the first time, everything's as normal. When the time shifts the second time, things are kind of in the future a little bit. But it's it's as if what we watched in the movie still happened. And then the third time, people are starting to realize things are going strange. And so that just kind of threw me off a little bit. And I feel like the film tries to explain it, but it... I don't know if it ever does a good job of it and it just kind of left me a little bit confused on that angle of it.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the weakest part of it, but I mean, I don't know. You you at some point you got to address that it's going on and maybe they can stop it, maybe. Cuz it's a weird time shifting mechanic they're using. It's not like full-on time travel. It's just Right. Right. Phasing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that it never explained why it was happening. Like there was no reason for it to happen or the cause was simply glowing telephone lines as far as i could tell
2: oh there was a meteor that crashed
0: oh yeah that's right in the beginning of the movie
2: uh, but they never deal with it it's just like it gives off its energy and then that's mm-hmm. it yeah and that's it you know it's just like oh okay
0: but i think that's okay like i didn't i didn't have a problem with that kind of like
2: oh no yeah, yeah. It, it worked it just i think part of it too was I, and there were a bunch of drunk high schoolers or soon to be high, you know, ex high schoolers, or were they college students?
0: The college students, I believe.
2: Well, they were drunk. Either way, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I actually, I think that was probably the biggest problem with them trying to explain it to each other. Was it's like uh, you're trying to have a bunch of wasted people tell other wasted people something complicated, and it doesn't always <laughs> work really well,
0: <laughs> right? I, I kind of want to talk about the ending a little bit, but I don't want to give away anything. What did you guys think of the the message that the ending leaves us with?
2: Uh, if you're a big enough douchebag and try to fix it enough times, you <laughs> might get the girl. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was what <laughs> I got out of it, at least for the main character. It's like, wow, <laughs> you, yeah,
0: yeah, and I, that's what I got out of it too. And I think that's just another reason why I didn't, you know, I wasn't rooting for the main character by the end of it, but. So Chris, what uh, final star rating on this one?
1: Three and a half. I, I, I was
0: really surprised by it. Yeah, and what about you, Ash?
2: I actually only, I'm only going to give this one a two and a half. Uh, I like the idea and stuff like that. It's just, it's probably not a movie I'd, I'd go back and watch again.
0: Yeah, I was looking at my my star rating. I gave it a three, three out of four stars, a little bit less than Truth or Die, but I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was very unique and another one that is just impressive. The risks that, you know, low budget filmmakers are, are willing to take. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. So the third horror flick is kind of the one that I'm really looking forward to it going in. When I realized that the director, uh, Vincenzo Natali, was the same director from Splice. But I was left a little, I don't, not even underwhelmed. Just, I don't know. I hoped for more, I guess, from such a great director. Uh, but it's Haunter. And it's uh, starring Abigail Breslin, who is awesome. I loved her in Signs. And that's the you know, first time basically anybody saw her because that was her debut. and She's excellent in this, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Haunter is basically a ghost story, but flipped inside out, I would say. Here is the Netflix summary of it. Putting a new spin on Spooky, the haunted soul in this film, 15-year-old Lisa, who's played by Abigail Breslin, is long dead, and the ghost she senses is a flesh-and-blood teen. Once Lisa figures out the score, she must help her real-life Haunter unravel their house's secrets. And as I mentioned... Abigail Breslin, I think, is probably one of the strongest parts of the film. One of my first pros I listed was her performance. She's excellent as this like almost angst-ridden teenage heroine. Like I said, I I really liked her when I first saw her in Signs. And then um, the next time I saw her was actually Zombieland, which is one of the best horror comedy zombie films ever made. And now she's in this, and so I was really excited to watch it. And I think she's great in it. Her and Chloe Grace Moretz are probably two of my favorite like young actresses that are coming up and have potential to both just like blow me away in the future. And um, I'm really excited to see where Breslin goes from here. She's actually in a another horror movie that's supposed to come out later this year called Final Girl, which obviously as horror fans we understand that reference. And so I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what she does in this in this horror genre. But Ash, how did you feel about Haunter?
2: I actually really, really liked this movie. Okay. Um, I, I'm big on ghost movies. Most, most ghost movies, I like it when they, they can interact and, and stuff like that and scare the crap out of people and not necessarily get too gory. Like, House on Haunted Hill is actually probably one of my favorites just because it's so borderline. But I actually really liked this one just because they did completely turn it inside out. Uh, and you're actually seeing it, you know, from the ghost's perspective as they realize, you know, what's happened to them, uh, or try to figure out what's happened to them, rather. And the way I liked the way they delved into the history of the house and what had happened there and what happened to them and, you know, what was going on with the family in, in the, uh, the living family in the house. The one thing I did really like is I liked the, uh, the casting. She was excellent. The, the female lead. I really liked her in this. And the villain, the guy who was playing the bad guy, I can't remember his name.
0: Stephen McCaddy, absolutely. yes The pale man.
2: yeah Oh yeah, he was fantastic. I loved him. It, he, he, was, he was in Pontypool, uh, and that was actually, wow. I've seen him in other stuff too, but he was the lead in Pontypool, and he was actually kind of the good guy in that. But it was it was after seeing him as the good guy in that, and then seeing him, it's just absolutely creepy in this movie. I absolutely loved it. I think the thing that that got me was like the little touches that they threw in when she ends up dealing with the living people. She's absolutely kind of confounded by like modern tech because yeah. she she died in like the eighties. And so, you know, she's used to like the Atari and stuff and then like there's an iPad laying out and she's like, huh? <laughs> okay. The photographs changing pictures. What the hell? <laughs> you know, it was, it was interesting seeing it that way. And uh, I liked the little changes there. And I I liked the, the clues that kind of filtered through and uh, the way they played that off. I I really liked the way they did that. And it's not, this is, it's a horror movie and it's not necessarily a scary horror movie. I mean, it's more of a, it's almost a murder mystery Mm -hmm. uh, type of horror film, which, which I thought was interesting the way they did that. So I I actually really, really enjoyed this one.
0: Yeah. I thought the casting of Stephen McCaddy was just brilliant because the guy plays this kind of just universal evil Perfectly from, you know, from decade to decade, he just looks like when he walks into the house for the first time, he just is this menacing character. And he's not a big guy. He's tall, but he's not a big guy by any means. It's just the way he holds himself, the way he presents himself, I thought was awesome. And he did a great job as the, you know, the bad guy in this one. I need to see Pontypool
1: now. Wait, wait, you haven't seen Pontypool? No, I have not. No.
2: (laughs) That is a fun movie. It was. Kind of, Pool's kind of bizarre, but uh, yeah, it, it was a neat, neat twist. Uh, but yeah, he is a radio broadcaster who kind of gets thrown into this zomb- almost zombie apocalypse with a twist. It's great. It's on Netflix. You should watch it.
0: Yeah, I've heard a ton about it. I don't know why. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I definitely am going to.
1: I mean, I don't even know why I like picked up on Hunter. I knew it was coming to Instant Q and... I must have read, like I get Fangoria and I, I peruse it. I don't pay much attention to it, but I probably saw something on it in there and just, I heard it was coming. I was like, all right, this sounds really interesting, nice little twist. And I really liked it. It really reminds me of a Joe Hill's latest book, Nosferatu, which came out last year. You're high on that book. Huh?
0: You're, I say you're very high on that book. You always talk about it to it, me.
1: It, it's very good. But it has that same, you know, girl dealing with like creepy guy who kills people kind of thing. I mean, th- there's a lot of similarities to it, even with the different twists and turns and little plot elements they threw out in Haunter. I was getting a lot of vibes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize, it took me a little bit, and this is just my, probably my ignorance to the 80s music, I guess. I didn't realize that she was in the 80s. It took me quite a while to realize where she actually was. And it wasn't until like she got you know jumped forward in time to the present family living there that I realized, oh, this is not... This isn't now. This is in the '80s. Clearly, I didn't even put it together when the little boy was playing Pac-Man or anything.
1: But <laughs> the T-shirt didn't. Th- no, that's what I'm
0: saying. It. I can't even remember. I don't even know what band it was.
1: In Susie and the Banshees. Okay, <laughs>
0: Yeah, that means nothing to me. So, I
1: don't... <laughs> but Come on, they even played the, that's their song playing in the credits. Come
0: on. Oh man, see, <laughs> there's my ignorance. <laughs> And it's not that, and I like the movie, I gave it three stars on, you know, IMDb, I gave it seven out of 10 on Netflix, I gave it four out of 10. It's not that I disliked it by any stretch. It's just the one out of all of these that stuck with me the least, I would say.
1: Do you think that's because you had high expectations because of Splice or?
0: Uh, Probably. Yeah, probably. I try to always tone my expectations down. But you know, I'm human. And I loved Splice. Very much. Did you see his other
1: films, though? Like, ginger snaps and i forget what i haven't the seen ginger oh, snaps he
2: did ginger snaps oh yeah. no wonder i like this one he
1: did cube too right <laughs> yes yeah. cube yeah. and ginger snaps.
2: i didn't really
0: like cube all that much i'll be honest but uh, virtually everybody I else in the world cube. does
2: yeah. oh i love cubed uh, I
1: love cube. cube and ginger snaps they're both very good
2: yeah. and i like i actually really like splice too that was fantastic
1: mm-hmm. very underrated everyone hated it when it came out i
0: don't i don't get the hate
1: but yeah, you need to watch Ginger Snaps now. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You don't really need to see the two sequels. They're not, <laughs> they're not necessary.
0: Oh, the main character, that girl, she was in she was in something else that you, either we talked about on the podcast. American Mary. Oh, thank you. Yes. American Mary. Oh, how great Which was is American excellent. Mary. Love yes. That. Absolutely. Chris, have you seen American Mary?
1: Yes. It oh, was God. very good and I think it connects with our other film later.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Hunter, I actually gave it a 4 out of 5 on Netflix, so uh, I'd give it a 3.5 out of 4. I went in not expecting a whole lot. I actually prefer when you guys just recommend a movie and say, hey, you need to watch this, because yeah. then I don't go in with a whole lot of expectations. You're just like, oh, okay, these guys liked it. I'll give it a shot. You know, So I actually didn't do any research on it or anything. It's like, oh, ghost movie, just from the description and went with it. So, <laughs> but yeah, I really liked it.
0: Yeah, it was one that I like Chris said, or Chris had to watch it. And then like, I was reading my Twitter timeline and somebody had mentioned that it was the same director. And so like, Oh, and so that's what it was. Uh, an unfortunate um, research, I guess. Yeah, But Chris, what do you give it out of four?
1: Uh, three and a half. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't know much about it. Yeah. I'd heard the rumblings, but really enjoyed it. I don't think I really have anything negative to say about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I don't really either. I guess. I got confused at some points. That may have just been me paying less attention than I should have, as opposed to the the actual story being confusing. But yeah, like I said, I gave it three stars. I enjoyed it. And I'm still looking forward to his next film, whatever it is. So, so far out of the three of us, the lowest score we've given is a 2.5. So that's a a pretty good batch of movies. (laughs) So with that said, let's move on to Dracula 3D. (laughs) This is Dario Argento's latest work. The, obviously the Dario Argento is the Giallo master. No one does it quite like he does, but he's ever since, you know, ever since the millennium, he's been kind of looked down on because his work just according to, you know, professionals, according to critics that and fans of his, that his work has just been progressively getting worse as it goes on. And many people dislike Dracula 3D. This is just one that I happened to pick up at work because I saw it was coming out and it was in 3D Blu-ray. So I was like, oh, okay, I got to check this out. And it's, you know, I love Dracula. I love Argento. So I was like, okay, let's try it. Obviously, we don't need to tell what the story is about. Everyone knows what Dracula is about. And if you don't, you can research it on your own. But this is just another retelling of that same story that we know and love. I'll start with my thoughts on this one because I think I'm the only one that's going to have anything positive to say. I What I love about this film is that Argento went, Full throttle, unapologetically throwback to these 1970s exploitation films. And even in the pitfalls of the film, you know, it is an incredibly slow film. But even in the pitfalls, there's just loads of pulp, gore and nudity. And that's really what you're looking for in uh, at least what I'm looking for in these exploitation films like this. And I really enjoyed that. And then uh, the other thing I want to talk about before I send it over to you guys is the 3D effects. I'm not sure if either of you were able to see it in, in Blu-ray 3D or not. I know, Chris, you have a 3D TV, but I don't know if this is how you watch it or not. But I love the 3D in this one. The effects were gimmicky, but I like that. I know we talked about in the past, I think, on the show that I think I'm the only one who likes those gimmicky 3D effects. But they looked really great. There was things coming at me. Um, there's that one scene in particular where Dracula just goes off and basically kills the entire room. And there's just heads flying at your face blood squirting everywhere it's just a lot of fun especially in 3d and that's uh, something i really enjoyed about the film so let's uh chris let me have you talk about this one first what did you what did you think of dracula right. 3d
1: well you know i had heard your comments that you really enjoyed it and i was at best buy and i was gonna buy the blu-ray 3d because it was only like 20 bucks i'm like oh that's cheap mm-hmm. or you know, i think actually it was like 17 it was something cheap I'm like all right i'll buy it and i was like uh you know probably not i'll, I'll wait and then, like, a week later, it popped up on Netflix, which does not offer the 3D option for this movie. Okay. So it's a little bump, so I didn't get to see it in 3D. Uh, I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was boring. I mean, it has some good boobs. I mean. That it does. That I mean, it does. that's about it. I mean, the acting is terrible. I mean, even, in, like, in throwback standards, like, it didn't look like anyone had fun. Except for the guy that created the praying mantis. Because maybe he had fun with that. Because that's just...
2: Brilliant uh, is
1: the word you're searching for right I, now. I don't know what, what he was on. He was on something when he came up with the, hey, let's do a praying mantis.
0: Argento said something about it because people were like asking about it in interviews or whatever. And he was like, well, Dracula can turn into this and that. Why the hell can't he turn into a giant praying mantis? And so he said, this is going to be fun. Let's go with it. <laughs> and that's just another reason I like the film. It's just fun. Ash, whoa! Well, I think your thoughts are probably going to echo uh, Chris's. What did you think about it?
2: Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I liked that it was a neat throwback to the 70s movies, but I have to make this comment, and, and it, it's a vampire movie that I can't even get my wife to watch again. <laughs> it is not great. I, I watched it on Netflix streaming, too, so the 3D I, I have a problem watching 3D movies anymore nowadays anyway, because I don't know whether I'm just getting old or what, but I get headaches if they're over like an hour and a half long. So I tend to avoid the 3D if it's over that anyway. But uh, no, it just, it uh, everyone in this movie, aside from Argento's daughter, who looked like she was having a blast, uh, <laughs> playing Lucy. Everyone else looked absolutely bored uh, out of their minds. I think the only time that we ever saw Dracula, like, emote anything is the scene where he gets pissed off and kills everyone in the room, which I was like, oh, my God, he's actually doing something. And then he went back to look like, "Uh, I got to do my nails later. Uh."
0: I don't know. But I think that's I like that as Dracula, though, because he is this this calm, cool, reserved person, this 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 reserved character until he's not until he loses his cool, And that meeting room is is where that happens. And I love that about, I love that scene because it's so different from the rest of the film.
2: I I liked that scene too, but I would have liked it a little more. Like at one point he professes his love to me it happens in all of them. It's like, I love you. You know, you are, you know, you're the best thing to happen to me in 400 years. and, I've had better conversations with like a bowl of oatmeal in the morning for breakfast. It's like, oh God, I love you, oatmeal. You know, you're, <laughs> you're like the best thing to happen to me since I woke up. And it was like, it was like the dude was just like, yeah, uh, I've been alive for four hundred years, and I absolutely love you. And and it was like the most flat, deadpan. Not even. I was like, if I was Mina, I would have just like bashed my head into like the monument next to me just to get it over with because this is not going anywhere. Uh, but And even Rutger Hauer didn't save it for me. It's like, oh, Rutger Hauer's with Dan Helsing. This ought to be interesting. And probably the only point in the whole movie where Rutger Hauer looks like he's having any fun is when he throws this guy into like a nail on the wall. I don't even remember what it was. And the guy's eyeball pops out. Oh, yeah. He just, just kind of gives the camera this look like, yeah, I'm a badass. <laughs> I still got it. And then that and then that was it. That was it's like I could watch like that one scene where he kills everybody in the room and that one scene with Rutger Hauer and and that's it. I don't have to watch the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, I did love Rucker Hauer, but the problem with that was I feel like Van Helsing was introduced so late in the movie.
2: Oh yeah. That was the it was just like, oh, it dragged. I think they could have trimmed a lot from that movie and it would have been it, I, I don't mind a slow burn as long as there's something going on, and there just was nothing going on in this movie. That it's like, come on, something needs to happen. <laughs> but uh I, the praying antis was amusing at least. Mm-hmm. I was kind of sitting there going, "What the hell am I looking at?" But uh, <laughs> but but I uh, in a couple of the the effects were okay. I know it is a lower budget film, and Argento's typical pinkish. You know, I, I made the comment on Twitter that Dario Argento blood spray or blood flow should be like a Crayola color—the <laughs> same right. blood color in every one of his movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he—I I tend to agree. I think Argento's big heyday was in the '70s and probably early '80s, and. And while I liked that this was a throwback, I, it just, it, it didn't gel for me. And I, I don't know whether it was Argento or if it was the fact that they had three different countries, like production companies involved with this. I think it was France, Spain, and Italy were all working together to make this movie. And I, I get the feeling there was just too many, too many cooks in the pot. Mm-hmm. And I think it could have been a little better, a little tighter, maybe some different alternate takes. I don't know. It felt soulless. That was my problem with it. It was like, ah, it's like, come on, it's Dracula. Come on, have fun with this. But it just, I don't know, it fell flat for me.
0: Ash, you said, that this wasn't the worst Dracula adaptation you've seen, but it wasn't the best either. In your opinion, what is your favorite Dracula adaptation?
2: The one Francis Ford Coppola did in the '90s, okay. uh, with uh, Gary Oldman and that crew. That was actually the first time I'd seen a Dracula telling uh, like that. I'd actually never read the book before that, and you know, it was just kind of like I. And mean, the big my biggest movie monsters was like Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. I that, that was at yeah, that time point in my life, so when that came along it's like, Dracula? Vampires? Yeah, I'd seen Vampires before, but I had, was like I'd seen Fright Night and Vamp and a couple other stuff, so I that, that was my first exposure to the classic. so I, it's like I had to go back and, and read some of this stuff and, and uh, watch some of the older ones but yeah, I think Oldman as Dracula was fantastic. Uh, Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing in that was great. And most of that movie was well cast. Some of the scenes were okay. And I think Coppola Coppola actually went and basically went back to the 30s Dracula on the way they did a lot of the scenes and the shots and stuff like that and the effects. And that's how they did it that way. So Coppola's is a throwback too. But I think he was a little more successful at it.
0: Yeah. You had a lot more money too, I'm sure.
2: Oh, I'm sure, but yeah, <laughs> that many big name actors, yeah, I'm sure they had a lot more money to it. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of silly to ask at this point. But what about a star rating, Ash? What
2: do you give it? A one. <laughs> I I gave it a one. I'd actually probably go lower, except I I did like Rutger Hauer's appearance in the film. I just I thought it was too long, too slow just way too slow and i and i'm i'm a person who likes slow burn movies you know i, I don't mind it but yeah it just it, it didn't work for me
1: and what about you chris definitely a one and that that's just for nudity um <laughs> 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 so, i mean you can probably just google the images if you really wanted to see them
0: right i give it a 2.5 i enjoyed it a lot more than you guys obviously but it's definitely not a perfect film i can see where the faults are it's very slow moving but I enjoyed it for the most part, so that's good. So let's move on to the one that I'm most excited to talk about today and kind of the the one that sparked this whole discussion of all these movies today, and that's the new release that is only available streaming video on demand and in theaters, obviously, and that is Nurse 3D. This is one that Chris and I have been talking about, I feel like, for a while now, just tweeting back and forth different articles and whatnot because we were really excited for it. And once that first poster was released, I knew that this was a movie I had to see. So Nurse 3D, this is the description I was able to find via Lionsgate. By day, Abby Russell is a dedicated nurse, someone you wouldn't hesitate to trust with your life. But by night, her real work begins. Using her smoldering sexuality, she lures cheating men to their brutal deaths and exposes them for who they really are. When a younger nurse starts to suspect Abby's actions and compromises her master plan, Abby must find a way to outsmart her long enough to bring the cheater you'd least expect to justice. So, Chris, let's jump in with you. What What did you think about Nurse 3D after the weeks, at least, of excitement?
1: Well, that description's very weird because, like, the movie starts like that. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she kills these married men, which is a great scene. I love that opening scene. Like, she's not typical, like, hot, but she's wearing that dress and everything else and just, she, she really takes that role and just makes it her own. But once that kill's over... They, they dump that entire plot line <laughs> yeah. they just dump it i don't know that description kind of like leaves out the fact that the whole like single white female thing is going on too a little but i loved it it was everything i wanted i wanted cheesy shit ton of blood and nudity lots and lots of beautiful beautiful nudity <laughs> and, and i and it definitely delivers that um you, you mentioned the first poster which i assume is the uh naked one sheet where she's covered in blood as her dress Yep, that's the one the promotional thing like on amazon which is where i rented it from is awful i would never rent that movie <laughs> you know a nurse riding a needle that,
0: that, oh my god i know it's so silly
1: i'm like no no one would rent this movie if you go to the theater and you see that poster you wouldn't see that <laughs> you would laugh and go like yeah right and I don't know why they picked that, but that's just awful because they knew what they were going for They blood and boobs, like mm-hmm. first trailer. That's what they aimed for. And I, I wish I could have seen it in 3D.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I couldn't, I don't have very few negative things to say about the film. And the one thing I could write down is not even a knock against the film. It's just a knock against Amazon's instant service that they don't allow for 3D streaming because I absolutely want to see this movie in 3D. Um, according to bloodydisgusting.com, Dis- Bloody it's going to release on home video on Blu-ray 3D, Blu-ray DVD, and digital HD on April 8th. So oh, that's very soon. Yeah, I will definitely be picking that up.
2: Ash, what are you? What are your thoughts? I actually had not heard anything about this movie at all before I sat down to watch it. So mm. I, I realized it was in 3D and I got it actually from Amazon streaming, which, and I don't understand why they don't offer 3D considering that you can download it and watch it that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'd be no reason not to have it, but whatever. Yeah. The movie description doesn't quite fit the film. Like, like he said, it, it was the like the opening sequence of it, yeah. But well, the rest of it was very much like an even more psychotic single white female film <laughs> is my take on it. And I actually liked it for that. They they did it a little bit smarter than I was expecting after after a couple of the different things. They they did a little bit of a little bit of comedy, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, but it was uh I actually I liked the blend that they did with it. That was yeah. My only exposure to the movie was the the poster too that they had on Amazon, which I was like, "What are they having me watch?" <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't think it was I didn't think it was too bad. I enjoyed it. It was probably not something I actually would have gone out to to see in the theater. I probably would have rented that anyway. So it it, it was as presented if you'd seen the original poster, basically. And then uh, I, I liked some of the stuff that they did with it. It was like American Mary meets single white female type of thing. It was, was actually my thought when I finished it. It's like, only crank up the gore a lot. And I, and I actually kind of liked it for that. It was, uh, it was you know, they were very unforgiving with it. It's just like, here's what we're going to do. Have fun. And, uh, and that was basically what they did with it. They did some neat things with it. So I, I actually, I actually kind of liked it.
1: One thing I really liked about it was her just monologue throughout the film. It was just... It's vulgar, dirty, sexy, all at the same time. It really let me connect with, you know, our bad little nurse and her murderous ways.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, Chris, you really hit it. Like, she's not, uh, Paz de la Huerta, however you say it, the main nurse is not this typically beautiful woman. It's the way that she presents herself, and it's the way that she carries herself, and it's the incredible costuming choices that the, that the director makes, and the script in terms of those monologues that you're talking about is that's what makes her this just incredibly undeniably sexy woman and her and and katrina bowden who i first came across in a movie that i absolutely love and that's tucker and dale versus evil she was excellent in that and she's you know much better in this frankly she has much i don't i want to call it an easier role because i know i know that no role is easy but she has that less complicated role in terms of uh, these two anyway She's playing this typical female heroine, and she's kind of like the final girl in this one or what have you. And so I think she did a great job with it. But the person who really stands out is the is Paz de la Huerta. I thought she was excellent in it. Um, and I basically, Chris, I'm just going to echo virtually everything you already said. It's, I mean, this is exactly what I was looking for from that poster. Lots of nudity, lots of blood, and hopefully something that was tense. And that's exactly what I got. I really, really enjoyed it. Going outside the two female leads, I really liked uh, Nisi Nash. I thought she was absolutely hilarious as Regina, who was like the operator in the hospital. She had me laughing out loud on multiple occasions. I thought she was really good at that. She's actually from uh, Reno 911, which I love.
2: Yeah, I'd actually forgotten she was in Reno 911, but yeah, I, I really love Reno
0: 911. So oh my fun. God, yeah, me too. That's the reason I watched Hell Baby, because Chris sold me on the fact that it was from the same people that did Reno 911. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll watch that. And I really like that one too, but... Uh, yeah, back to nurse 3d i mean the director knows exactly what he's making here you know it's this modern day exploitation film and that is never that focus is never lost from the beginning with that opening kill that chris was talking about all the way to the very end with the over the top ludicrously <laughs> bloody scene which was just awesome and i cannot wait to watch it in 3d with all those things flying at the tv screen it's just a ton of fun to watch
1: yeah that finale is just Bat shit crazy oh my god yes <laughs> like it's completely unbelievable but just just awesome because like it's sick it's twisted and just crazy just it fit perfectly
0: <laughs> and i thought just the director did an excellent job with everything with you know and that's just their example of something that was i thought was just awesome
1: If they released this in like a wider release, do you think it would have done well or no? I mean, no, it's made for
0: people like you and me. It's not made for (laughs) general audiences. Like who's going to like this besides horror, you know, gore hounds like us who live for this You can say that
1: with any horror movie though, like Saw or anything like that that comes out.
0: Yeah, but aren't we past like the torture porn phase now as a society or, you know, as a vast movie going public?
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know where we're at right now with horror movies they are all just kind
0: of... We're, we're, you know. we're like past the remake phase almost. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know where we are either. I, right now, I actually, I take that back. I, where we are right now is the Possession film. I was just yeah. reading that Rue article about uh, talking about how uh, Possession films have really taken over. You got know, The Conjuring, Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, uh, all the sequels that are, you know, they already have like two spinoffs planned for The Conjuring. It's just that the the Possession film's making a a comeback like it did in the the 70s with Exorcist. I just can't wait to get back to the Slasher Age. That's my favorite.
2: (laughs) Well, if they follow the cycles, you know, when they were in the Possession Age back in the 70s, so Slashers should be right back around the corner.
0: Yep, exactly. (laughs) It's exciting. But yeah, Nurse 3D is one that I cannot recommend enough for, you know, people like us who are, you know, the gore hounds, the people who uh, look for these ridiculous over the top movies. And what I thought was interesting, like the story was good enough that it didn't even have to be this gross, disgusting thing. Like I find I Spit in Your Grave 2 more squirm worthy, if you will, than Nurse 3D, but Uh, nurse 3d is just such a better movie just the story the directing the acting and everything so any final thoughts on uh on these five movies
2: oh we didn't do ratings on nurse 3D. oh we didn't you are correct
0: (laughs) chris
1: uh chris what do you give nurse 3d i'd give it a four it was everything i wanted it was solid i had no complaints i was entertained from start to finish i enjoyed everything about it and you ash
2: I'd give it a three, if, if only because I, I didn't know what to expect going into it. So I, I probably would have watched it, like, with a different mindset if I know what to expect. But it uh, just kind of threw me for a loop for a little bit, but I still enjoyed it. So I, I think I'd give it a three.
0: Yeah, and I'm with Chris. I gave it a four. Um, I mean, this, is, this just is, you know, my type of movie. This is what I enjoy watching the most. They're just a lot of fun. It it never tries to be anything more than entertainment, and it's all the better for it. I really enjoyed it. Anybody have any any final thoughts on on these five? If you had to pick a, a favorite out of these five, Ash, what would you say?
2: Out of the five, actually, I'd go with Haunter. Yeah, that would be uh, that one's more up my alley. I and you guys, I I used to really love slashers. I've kind of drifted away from those a little bit more. So Haunter's probably more up my alley than you guys. So I think out of the five hunters mine.
1: And what about you, Chris uh, nurse nurse 3d all the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty obvious. We, we did have some good movies. Though. I mean, I was surprised because your pick of truth or die, I, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Mm-hmm. And and I was pleasantly surprised with it.
0: Yeah. I think there's hundreds and hundreds of options. You know, if you have Amazon prime, you also have Amazon on demand. You have Netflix instant queue. There's Hulu plus if you pay for that. There's your cable service on demand. I mean, you have just thousands, and then I have a movie collection of over 2,500 movies. And you know, Chris, yours is gigantic as well. So I mean, like we have all these options on movies to watch, and so you never know what to watch. So that's why I was glad that we were able to find some that were streaming that we happen to enjoy just randomly hitting play. And so it's always fun to find those those gems that you might otherwise just ignore.
2: Abby, this is my boyfriend
1: Steve. Hi. Abby Russell. You wanna meet up later tonight? Just us girls? Here you go!
2: Where am I? My apartment. Did I ever call Steve back? Don't worry, I texted him from your phone. As you spend the day with me.
1: Abby, I have to go.
2: Danny, is there something
0: going on between you guys? Since when did you guys become close?
1: We're not. She thinks we are. You know, you look really familiar. You look like my next-door neighbor, Sarah. They put her in Sunnyview Institute when she was just a kid.
0: Yes.
2: Hello, sweet thing.
0: He's crazy. he's a killer. Bring you down to
2: knees, down to Nurse. Let me get some toys.
0: Rated R. Let me ask you guys a question. Didn't have any time to research it and that's fine. But if you had to pick one film that's coming out in the next, uh, in the next few months here, in the next year, or whatever, that you're looking most forward to, which, which film would that be? Chris, let's start with you.
1: Who <laughs> would pick me on this one? <laughs> um, I, I'm so far behind on movies; like, I don't even know what's coming out. Yeah, like I'm constantly surprised with like that's getting a sequel and it's coming out when. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Godzilla, they just released the new poster that gives the scale of Godzilla, and he's pretty big. So Godzilla is my first pick. I think it opens for my birthday, so excited.
0: Yeah, I really, that one looks uh, incredible from the trailer. I need to see the new poster. I haven't actually seen it yet, but I had heard some rumblings that he's very large. And so I'm really interested to check that
1: one out. And if you've been in New York City, I think you'll be able to grasp the actual scope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ash? What's one that you're really looking forward to?
2: I've actually got a couple of them after seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. I went from being kind of, eh, to, eh, I want to see it. Which means I'll probably end up having to run it anyway. Uh, (laughs) Just because I I tend not to go to movies alone. I actually really really looking forward to Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Uh, But the other one would be X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, It's kind of a tie between those two for me. I'm been aware of Godzilla. I haven't really. I haven't seen the trailer for it. I saw like the teaser, and it was just like, "That's it." Kind of, kind of his reaction to uh, to the Guardians of the Galaxy teaser trailer. is like, "What?" <laughs> 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 but uh, so I think it probably for me it'd be a toss up between X Men: Days of Future Past and Captain America: Two. But more than likely, I'll actually get to see X Men: Days of Future Past because Hugh Jackman's in it. There's no movie that my wife will skip with Hugh Jackman in it, so <laughs> that will be a theater go day one for me. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that was even coming out.
1: That's beginning of May, isn't
0: it? Yeah, May 23rd is what it's looking like. Ah,
1: uh, so, so it's, okay.
2: But yeah, that's the, I think X-Men's probably mine.
0: Yeah, m- one of the ones that I am really looking forward to is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I cannot wait to see that movie. I absolutely adored Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and I love those movies, so... I'm really looking forward to that one.
1: Yeah, I still haven't watched the trailer for that. I haven't either I haven't watched the trailer at all. I didn't even realize there was a trailer out already. I believe it came out like a week or two ago. Oh. I mean I could be wrong. No, you're I- right. I'm behind. You're right. <laughs> did you already Google it? Yep.
0: Yeah. I uh, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> <have> it now. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um Oh, you know what I watched? It wasn't on my... It was on my... Because like, we did this five-by-five five directors thing that was started on Lettered Box. And uh, one of the films I watched that I really love, well, two, actually, was Assault on Precinct 13, the Carpenter original. Oh, man, what a great movie. I love John Carpenter. And with every film I watch, it goes, I love him even more. It's just like perfect pulp goodness. One-liners here and there. It's just, oh, it was a lot of fun. And the music was excellent. And then uh, the other one was Christine. Really enjoyed that one, too. I know... Ash, you really like Christine a lot, I believe, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Love love Christine. Christine's one of my... I I like a lot of Carpenter's movies. There's a few that are hit and miss with me, but Christine's one of my favorites. He really, to the film, what from the book what worked and kind of dropped what didn't, so it was a really well-done film.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Any final thoughts about anything at all, either of you? I don't think so. All right. So March is looking like it's going to be the... Bollywood Month, which I know you guys are just waiting on me for, um, but that will be our next podcast, and I'm excited for that one. Chris, where can we find you elsewhere
2: online?
1: You can find me at Wolverine Factor at Twitter. I'm private again, so just
2: send a request. Great. And Ash, what about you? DHGF Ash at, uh, at Twitter, and uh, I'm a writer at uh, Die Hard Game Fan, and of course on the Synfessions website.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and you can always find Ash's lifetime of film articles are going up i think he's at 1986 i think was the last one that went up or 1985 i don't remember one of the two was the last one that went up so you can always check those out there there's top 10 films of the year from his birth to now so those are moving along at a steady rate which is always great to to check out i think also i just found a review of gravity that will be going should be going live on tuesday from chris that i didn't realize i had in my inbox i
1: didn't realize i wrote it so So
0: that one should be going live on the website soon too so make sure you check out cinefessions.com for that and i am brandon chowan you can find me at p s y m i n one on twitter or email me at simon1 at yahoo.com and always check out cinefessions.com for more from all three of us all right thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time